Welcome to Books, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week, we are going to be reviewing Alice Isn't Dead, the novel, because this is a podcast. And people listen to one podcast, typically listen to other podcasts. And those people might recognize the title Alice Isn't Dead from the terrific Alice Isn't Dead podcast. How right? much? How much? Uh, how much of that have you listened to? I only listened to the first couple episodes, and I know that... I explained before, but like if I get lost, uh, uh, like distracted by actual driving, um, (laughs) I lose the I lose the plot and it really frustrates me. So I didn't listen to much of it. I listened to the first season in its entirety and maybe three episodes into season two. Um, My problem with that is, though, is like I've said it before on this podcast. and I always hate to say it. It sucks about weekly podcasts. (laughs) It's like if I can't binge listen to them, yeah. sometimes I forget that they come on. And that's kind of where I left. I wasn't aware there was a season three until um, I was two thirds of the way into this book and flipped to part three. Said, oh, this must be season three of Alice Isn't Dead. But uh, there are currently three seasons out there and the story in its entirety is available um, in podcast form. But we did review Welcome to Night Vale, the novelization. And uh, we decided we were going to give Joseph Fink another shot. Another shot. Alice isn't dead. Um, Here is the bio for Joseph Fink. I'm five stars for bio. Joseph Fink created the Welcome to Night Vale and Alice isn't dead podcast. He lives with his wife in New York. I thought it was was weird that uh, it doesn't mention the Welcome to Night Vale novel or the It Devours novel. Yeah. But, Um, I mean... It's only his Amazon book author bio, so it may not have been yeah. updated. This may have been the one they used um, initially for Welcome to Night Vale. Yeah, and uh, that's fair. Yep. Hey, so, I'm happy with it. It's good. It's a great bio. Love it. Uh, here's the synopsis for Alice Isn't Dead. This is not a story. It's a road trip. Keisha Taylor lived a quiet life with her wife, Alice, until the day that Alice disappeared. After months of searching, presuming she was dead, Keisha held a funeral, mourned, and gradually tried to get on with her life. But that was before Keisha started to see her wife again and again in the background of news reports from all over America. Alice isn't dead, and she's showing up at every major tragedy and accident in the country. Following a line of clues, Keisha takes a job with a trucking company, Bay and Creek Transportation, and begins searching for Alice. She eventually stumbles on an otherworldly conflict being waged in the quiet corners of our nation's highway system, uncovering a conspiracy that goes way beyond one missing woman. All right. I want to talk about this synopsis a little bit. Um, So... I knew what I'm guessing is this synopsis from um, before listening to the Alice's and dead podcast or some version of the synopsis. I just want to say what a bang up job of all the synopses we have read. This is probably my fate. And now, so I was familiar with, you know, a third, whatever of the story. I've now read the entire book and know the entire story. And I still think the synopsis does a great job at grabbing you. Um, with really interesting, um, I don't want to say wording, but just really with an interesting layout of the story that inspires me. Like I've read the book and you just read that and I was like, yeah, I want to read this book. I've Mm -hmm. already read the book. You know what I mean? Like it's done that well. Yeah, I'll agree. And, and 
let's just pause to, to talk about the fact that this is probably the first time, at least in 2018, where we've stopped to praise a synopsis. Because usually it's us just like really beating up. It's like the, like usually a synopsis is like a side of beef and we're like practicing for the big <laughs> fight and we're just pummeling it. And this time, Livius just gave it a big, cuddly, like, bear hug. And so that's that's special. And hopefully that hopefully that carries on to the actual, like, book review. Um, but, yeah, I'll agree. Um, well, well done on the synopsis. For sure. Um, one more thing about the podcast, um, and at least from the portions that I listen to, the main narrator um, is Jessica Nicole. Um, probably, and apologies, Jessica Nicole, if I say this and it's incorrect, probably best known for her role in Fringe. At least that's how I know her. What a great voice and what a great narrator. So um, I read this book mostly with Jessica Nicole's voice in my head reading it to me, um, which uh, if there's an audiobook version, I hope is how it's done. I didn't look into it. Maybe there is. I was just going to mention there is an audiobook version of uh, this book, which is funny because it originated as a podcast and was adapted into a novel, and now that novel was turned into an audiobook. So, one thing that I read in preparation for this episode, and I already told Livius, but I didn't tell you listeners. Um, on on a, I was on Reddit in a read, uh, in a, in a discussion about this book that um, the book uh, is. Basically, it's obviously inspired by slash adapted from the the podcast, but there's definitely stuff that the podcast goes into in more detail that is is kind of glanced over in the book and some stuff in the book that was expanded beyond what you might have heard in the podcast. So they're not like exact like replicas of each other. So there's like I'd imagine if you really enjoy the podcast, the book will enhance or add to. And the same thing with the book, if you enjoyed that the podcast will enhance or add to that. Yeah, I was a little concerned because like I said, from what I know of it, I thought like there's going to have to be um, a different way to do this, not just transcribing the the actual podcast right. story. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously we'll, we'll talk about some of that later. But um, yeah, all in all, done done pretty well, I think, for um, adaptation, I guess. We start off with Keisha, um, who is who we're with for by and large, and probably 90% of this book, as, uh, as she is out driving uh, the roads of America for a company called Bay and Creek. Uh, she has gotten a job with them uh, because she is in search of her wife, Alice, who is mentioned in the synopsis, um, was missing and presumed dead. But she sees her uh, at first in one um, tragedy. It was a car accident, right? Like a major car accident. Yeah, like the news was reporting on it. Mm-hmm. And she sees her her wife, who has been missing and presumed dead for some time. So she winds up watching more newscasts and getting more glimpses of Alice and decides that she is going to get a job where she could drive around the country and then try to approach um, different uh, scenes that might be filmed by the news. I don't know how to how to really like that's the plan, (laughs) although that plan is never delivered on in the actual book, which is a little weird. (laughs) <laughs> spoilers so that's kind of yeah like we start out with um it's almost uh, as if like keisha is telling us the reader what's going on like uh um but there's a scene at the very beginning of the book too that introduces some of our our, our more supernatural kind of element to the book where um uh, in the course of of being this kind of cross 
country over the road truck driver or whatever they're called um long haul like a long haul driver mm-hmm. i probably used a bunch of words that some at least some of those are accurate and uh, that's enough um she's there's one scene where she's like at some random diner uh along her route just just eating and there's this creepy guy that um catches her eye or says something to her. i don't remember exactly because i read this a couple weeks ago um and uh he's just weird in a way that like they kind of describe like what what seems off about him and then he goes outside and then she goes outside and she witnesses him like uh, oh he uh he in a hypnotic kind of way and correct me if i'm doing this wrong livius kind of like just kind of gets one of the other patrons to just go with him outside in a very supernatural way where you wouldn't expect someone to just get up in the middle of their meal and follow some really creepy dude outside. She goes outside to see what's going on and she witnesses him like kill and, and like partially eat the dude. And this is like the first two, two or three chapters. So, um, this is really disturbing. She like basically flees, uh, because she's terrified. And, um, that, that kind of is, so it's established, like Livia said, the truck driving life trying to find her wife, but there's also this like grisly murder with this really creepy, weird person that kind of kicks off the book as well. That man and others like him um, that we encounter in the book are, are referred to as Thistle Men, T-H-I-S-T-L-E. Um, and like I said, she encounters more of them uh, throughout the course of the book. Um, but she pretty quickly realizes that they know who she is, which makes it even weirder. So as she sees them, there are hints, um, you know, and, and things that they say that indicate that she is not running into them by accident, but that the thistle men are keeping an eye on her as she is out searching for her missing wife, Alice. Yeah. And so that's kind of like the beginning of the book. The, the ramp up is, um, as she, you know, single-mindedly is just looking for her wife, it becomes, oh, these people get on her radar and it becomes evident that, like, maybe, and and by, by saying maybe, what I mean is definitely they're trying to discourage her from finding Alice. And she doesn't know why. Which, of course, in your mind, if, like, that's the one thing you want in life and someone's trying to stop you, like, my first thought is, like, I'm onto something. And so I feel like that's kind of the direction that she went to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are not a ton of other characters in this book that we're going to talk about. Um, one that plays a, a very important role, or um, I mean, at least a, an interesting role, if not necessarily a very important role in the story is Sylvia. Sylvia is a um, runaway, or um, I shouldn't say she's a runaway. That's probably not fair. She is a young lady who is also on the road. She's um, 15, 16, Rob? That's yeah, about right. something like that, yeah. And uh, she, at one point, asks for Keisha's help. Um, the thing is, is that Sylvia has also seen some things that put her kind of in the same position as Keisha. Um, so Keisha kind of, you know, relents and decides to help her. But that is someone that she is a road partner with for uh, for a portion of this book. Um, Sylvia's mother died. She's trying to investigate what happened to her mother, and it's clear that uh, all of this is kind of wrapped up in the same mystery that's uh, mentioned in the synopsis. Yeah, and this is we're we're probably going to dance around spoilers a little bit because 
so much of this book is is very easy to spoil when Keisha and Sylvia team up and they start to investigate some of the stuff that they discover together or separately um they kind of blow open like holy shit like whatever you know this thing is bigger than we thought and um that really kind of sets them off on a path so uh and this is all really early in the book i'd say within the first like 20 25% you have a good idea of the overall kind of like scale of what's going on but it's like how the story unfolds in that in that ensuing 75% that makes the book very interesting and compelling because you really want to figure out what's going on why who's involved and stuff like that so it does um uh you get you get a good picture of what's going on early in the book but then it's just watching the story unfold that's that's really interesting yeah, like Rob said, I almost think that anything else treads into spoiler talk. So um, I'll, I'll kind of sum up uh, the, the remainder of the story of this is this. There's a lot of driving. Um, there are a lot of different uh, towns that this takes place in. But all of it focuses around Keisha's search for Alice and the Thistlemen, by and large. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that is a, is a very prominent thing, and there's even like... Now, we get review copies of the book, so I don't know what the actual finished uh, book looks like. But um, in the beginning, there's a message from the author talking about anxiety. Did you read that, Livius? I did. Yeah. And so, like, be, having anxiety plays, like, anxiety and fear plays a, a huge part in this book for reasons that should be obvious by now. Um, but it's a real... Uh, it's a real focus. It's a good, like a huge theme of the book. So uh, outside of like the fact that things are terrifying, um, there's a there's a big theme of the book of like when you have this constant anxiety and fear in your life. Um, there was one thing that they said at one point in the book. It's like I'm not afraid to be afraid or something like that. If you mm-hmm. remember, is that what it was? I'm not afraid to be afraid or yeah. It's I'm not afraid of feeling afraid. Yeah, And as Rob mentioned, that comes from being afraid so often. Like right. anything you do a lot, right? Like you become accustomed to. You learn how to handle it, yeah. Yep. So Keisha's not afraid of being afraid, which, uh, you know, obviously anxiety and fear, as Rob mentioned, you know, can cause some issues in this. But can, you know, that type of attitude can also be a little empowering at times. Right. Like the the, the constant exposure to fear has strengthened you to handle the fear. And so, like there's overall themes of obviously, I mean, if you lay it down and and this is, I hope not spoiling anything. I don't think it will. Um, there's these supernatural things that are, are are murdering and, and, and terrorizing versus like a normal person. You're going to have tons of fear. And, and I, I mean, I personally would choose to not confront the terrible, the terrible, you know, scary, supernatural, possible monster people. Um, but this is a book and it has to be entertaining. So uh, they might not make the same choices as me. A story about you avoiding conflict <laughs> would be like the most boring book ever. That's probably why like I stopped trying to be a writer too, because like I would want to do that. Like I'd want to write those stories of avoiding conflict. <laughs> you know, who'd love that Caleb Ross. Cause that guy hates conflict. Caleb Ross also hates writing and writing. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I want to say is like there's and chickens. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a deep cut. I don't think anybody's going to understand. Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the the whole idea of anxiety 
and um, not being afraid to feel afraid that that whole thing um, because he does that as kind of a, 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 a forward. It, it helped me kind of look for that in the book and appreciate deeper how much um, anxiety is a theme in this book and handling and facing your fears as well. Yeah, he also um, talks a little bit about his own issues with anxiety, um, which is interesting. And then, you know, I don't know. I mean, knowing that the author is writing from a place where anxiety is is something that's a part of his life, it maybe lends a little more authenticity yeah. to the anxiety in the book, which I guess helps. So well, again, not super spoilery, that's in the forward. And I think that could be a little bit of, a, of an explanation of like the monster people. Because they're still people, but there's something off and there's something unsettling and horrible about them. And they could be an analogy to the people in his life that cause him anxiety and stuff like that. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, Writing style, smooth as glass, man. Like, think think and write. I mean, this is... um, you know, there there's some lulls in the story, so I'm not going to say like, oh, it's like an intense page turner the whole time. But you you, you really kind of move pretty smoothly through those just um, on the skill um, that he uses. I mean, he's obviously a super um, talented writer um, that, that's a good storyteller, too, for the most part. I mean, so this book reads really, really easy and quick. Yeah, and um, I guess like I... I, I... I was about to say for a guy who doesn't seem like he writes scary, he really creeped me out, but then he does night veil and stuff like that, which the whole idea is like the whole world is terrifying. So I guess maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, I guess what I'm saying is like, there is some really weird stuff that kind of gives you the chills. So um, on top of being well-written, I'd say it's very entertaining throughout. Um, He writes characters very well. Um, You really believe in and want to, uh, cheer for Keisha and Alice and Sylvia, and um, you really kind of hope for the downfall of whatever's going on with uh, the bad the bad guys. So, yeah, the writing is is spot on. Very very good stuff. There are some things that we're gonna want to talk about that are spoilery, and you know this is the thing I hate because Rob and I are gonna go over spoiler talk. We're gonna talk about some things, and then. I'm not going to be able to talk about those things in my wrap up. Yeah. Um, and it, it becomes a challenge. So we're <laughs> going to try to work through this challenge. Um, in the event that you're new to this spoiler talk is something that's offered to our patrons at patreoncom slash booked for as little as a dollar a month. You'll get uh, occasional spoiler talk on books um, where we'll go over for 10, 15 minutes, 40 minutes in some cases and talk about things we can't talk about here, which in this case is like three quarters of the book. So we're going to go do that now while it's fresh in our minds. And then uh, through the magic of editing, we will be back in a few short seconds to go into our wrap-ups. All right, everybody, we are back from spoiler talk. Some contentious talk, uh, some back and forth, a little bit of compromise. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty uh, interesting discussion. For sure, 100% super spoilery. So you have two options. Uh, if you want to hear us muddle through the behind-the-scenes uh, stuff, um, 
and you're not going to read the book, go ahead. I don't know how much sense it's going to make. If you've read the book or listened to the podcast, I think there's definitely some worthwhile conversation there. And if you have any input one way or the other, if you have read it or listened to the podcast, feel free to shoot us a, you know, shoot us a message or an email and let us know what you, uh, what side of those uh, contentious arguments you're on or present another third side that maybe neither one of us saw. There you go. Or if you're Joseph Fink, bookedpodcast at gmail.com, happy to have you on to talk about the book as well, whether or not you listen to our spoiler talk. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm going to let you kick off the wrap-ups. All right, so I'll, I'll kick things off. I want to say that um, we've had an interesting kind of relationship with the the creator of the, or the author of this book, creator of Night, Night Vale, because we talked about the podcast a, a decent amount before we actually read and reviewed the book, and then we had Jeffrey Craner on to talk to us about the Night Vale book. Um, I was really tempted to do the It Devours book as, as a review, but it just didn't line up with... I don't know why this is part of my wrap-up, but anyway. Uh, they've always been interesting, and the Night Vale book was so well done, and there was such, like... Uh, it was such a like a rich area for conversation that it was a no brainer when uh, Livius mentioned that Alice isn't dead uh, was being novelized that we would talk about this because our experience with their writing in the past was that it was just so interesting and so full of uh, really kind of thought provoking things that it was natural to talk about it because that's what we do. Um, the, I said all the important things before great writing character development was very good. Um, I believe there was definitely some time at the end of the book where I cried, so there's that. You can check you can check that off on your uh, booked bingo card. Rob cried like a bitch, like a bitch. Um, and yeah, it was just a very entertaining book. I liked I liked it through and through. I liked what it was doing. I liked the kind of fable slash whatever you want to call it uh, 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 quality that it has about like what happens when you become a bad like when you embrace the negative, dark, hateful things in life versus when you try to fight back against that, which is really kind of the overall theme of the book. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just very entertaining. And I'm so tempted now to go back and listen to the podcast when I'm not driving to see where the story is different or how they complement each other. Um, because, yeah, it's just a fascinating story. And I want to unlock some of those things because there's things that in the book where you know you could hear more about it so uh probably going to do my best to get through listening to the podcast version as well um overall really enjoyed this i think this is a four-star book i am um an on and off listener of night vale um a fan for sure um but not something I, I listen to regularly. Um, I really liked season one of Alice's and dead, which is um, a testament to not just to Joseph Fink's writing, but to Jessica Nicole's delivery, which I think is just brilliant. Brilliant. When someone asks me about a podcast, I usually throw out Alice's and dead. Cause I have not heard a narrator. I like better than Jessica Nicole and in, in that style, like that first person style podcast. So I come to this with, <clears throat> really high expectations, I guess. And, um, for the most part, um, it really, really delivered. I am chalking this up to, uh, synopses. Uh, this is, this is the new level for a synopsis. Like this is to be great. You have to be Alice isn't dead. Great in your synopsis. Um, I was a little let down 
um, towards the end of the book and some of the reveal stuff, which I went into in detail in spoiler talk and obviously can't mention here because it's literally like page before the climax of the book. Um, that being said, it is really well written. I really like Keisha as a character. Um, I really like the overarching story. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to read it from the synopsis. So it's not spoilerly spoilery, an otherworldly conflict being waged in the quiet corners of our nation's highway system is great, great, great stuff. That being said, I'm going to detract some points for what I was unhappy um, uh, about uh, the book. I was unhappy with the book about, I don't know what the stuff I didn't like there, <clears throat> which is still going to land me um, right with Rob at four stars. I, I think honestly, this could have been a five-star book and it just, it felt just a little bit short for me. Well, there you go. Another favorable, I think pretty favorable review of, of something uh, that grew out of our knowledge of Night Vale. So I think this is becoming one of those things where when a book comes out of that camp, I'm going to be very willing to check it out, whether it's a Fink book, a Fink Craner book, Craner alone, whatever it happens to be. Um, I, I trust it. Um, I guess Craner had another podcast and I couldn't get into it at all. The, within um, the wires or whatever. Yeah. I tried and tried and just, I don't, man, like I just don't get it. I don't even Is, know if I'm supposed to get it. Wasn't that the one and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, uh, like it wasn't like self-help tapes or something like it was supposed to be like something yeah. weird like that or a psychological yeah something everything that you just said okay. try listening to one episode of that and you're right. gonna be like what the fuck did i just listen to <laughs> um but yeah okay. i uh you know the the, the comparison i want to make to this book have you ever seen the movie predestination i should have no. done this in spoiler talk okay so i really like time travel movies and i know we've talked about that here on the podcast yeah and predestination is so close to getting it perfect Except, and this is how I feel about this book, not that it's the same thing. There is a plot hole in predestination that makes it not work. It, it actually negates the entire movie. And that's not what happens in this book. But it's the same thing. Like, I think, like, so there's one thing. Five percent of it is good. But then the thing that happens, that five percent is enough to, to take it from perfection to, like, pretty good, really good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like I always, in talking to people about time travel movies, I always go, predestination's really good. But God damn it, there's this one plot hole I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to tell you what it is. And, and I think a lot of people just go right past it and don't even see it. But it's like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of the same thing as this. Like I said, it's not a plot hole. It's not the, the story plays out just like the author wrote it. Not, nothing like that. But there is there's this 5% that I don't think I'll be able to think about this book without thinking about that 5% and it taking it from being perfect to not so perfect. So, yeah, there you go. And there you have it. Um, anything new going on with you? I do know there's an update for our listeners, about one of your neighbors. Oh, <laughs> this is a long time coming. Uh, I, I don't know exactly. I don't remember exactly when it happened, but, uh, uh, it must have been so we're recording on a Monday and I think it was the weekend prior to this one. Um, I woke up to the sounds of just like a lot of clutter, not clutter, clatter, clanging and banging and stuff like that mm -hmm. in the apartment where uh, the girl with the baby lives. Mm -hmm. And um, 
lo and behold, she got kicked out. And uh, I'm a little conflicted about this because um, I talked to the busybody neighbor woman. Is that the right term? Busybody? Like, she's just nosy. She's always in your business. Busybody. Yep. She's a total busybody. And she made it sound like um, the the girl was kicked out for like excessive noise complaints and stuff like that from the busybody. So she was basically bragging that she got this girl kicked out. And she thought that the girl was dealing drugs in the parking lot of the apartment and playing music until like two or three in the morning, really loud from her car and stuff like that. And, and that's what she told me. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know. It always seemed like something was up, but whatever. Here's my problem. Like, if you're a young single mother and you're living in the apartment building I'm living in, you don't have you don't have a lot of it's obvious you don't have a lot of choices. You wouldn't choose the apartment, the style of apartment I live in as a single parent. Okay. Want to explain some things to the listeners. First of all, Rob's apartment is perfectly fine, albeit a little small. It's like a, <laughs> like a bachelor studio pad, right? I mean, essentially. Yeah. So that's what he's saying. He does not live in the ghetto or whatever. <laughs> like you're telling, you're telling this, like maybe you live in Cabrini Green, and that's not the case. Rob actually <laughs> lives in a fairly affluent suburb. Yeah, I live but in, a, in a small apartment in a fairly affluent suburb. Yeah, so. I live in, and it's not even like I live in the shitty apartments of the town. Yeah, the apartment's nice. It's just very small. Um, it's a, it's the type of apartment that is comfortable and cozy for one person, mm-hmm. a second person. You know, now it's a little bit, you 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 recognize the confined space. Mm-hmm. But for me, man, this is cozy. It's spacious. There's plenty of room to move around. I got, I got plenty of room. But I would never want to have a baby in my life in this apartment, ever. I was going to say period, but or in ever. that apartment too. Yeah, so. <laughs> also, for anybody who's just now catching on, this is the woman where Rob would hear the crying and then often see a mother sitting in the car, like smoking yeah. cigarette, chain smoking cigarettes or something. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, she's but... not a good parent. But, like, at least this was stability, you know? I'm, tr- I'm like, I'm very, I'm, I'm weirdly on this girl's side because, like, you know, uh, what what's next after this? So I'm just a little worried about her. But the upside was um, I saw a woman uh, outside the apartment who looked like she was kind of watching over things, and she seemed like the next older generation version of the girl who with the apartment. So I'm assuming it was her mom. So if the mom's in the picture, maybe she can stay with her or whatever. But so I'm a little worried about the girl and her baby, but um, with the mom in the picture, I think it's going to be okay. Well, she moved out. She wasn't like evicted. You know what I mean? It sounds like she moved out of her own volition, right? No, like she got was kicked a... out. No, but I'm saying like, it wasn't oh. like a sheriff thing where they put her stuff out no. on the street. Like she left in Correct. a time frame. Yeah. Yeah, they gave so, her a get out by this time, and she did. Yeah, and that usually means you've got somewhere to go. And growing up with parents who are landlords, the process to evict someone is not um, quick and easy. Yeah, uh, and and you can get months depending on the state you live in. In Illinois, you can get months um, right. before you're actually physically removed from the property. So when you see something, like you say someone got kicked out, but they actually leave like with their own truck and stuff. That's usually a better situation than it could be. Yeah. Um, cause the other option is, and you may have seen this at some point where you're like, wow, that looks like someone's entire belongings are on the curb. 
<laughs> and that's because yeah. the sheriff's department moved all their stuff outside. So, which is a very different situation. <laughs> so, yeah. um, any rate, well, I guess um, if you're hearing, so if you hear any more um, babies crying in the middle of the night, then it's just definitely ghosts now. Yeah, it'd be a lot spookier. But I do, I, I will tell you, like I said before, when the baby wasn't around, I had a hard time sleeping. Um, I've t- I've taken to turning on. Livius, you know what this means. Like, there's a there. So, like, the bathroom is right on. It's it shares a. It's mm-hmm. on. It's on my bedroom. So I've taken to turning on the vent, the vent, the bathroom vent, um, as oh. like white noise almost, and like kind of shutting the door over. So it's just like a sure. a distant like noise. Yeah. Um, to to help me get to sleep because the the total silence just is too much right now. Wow, that's kind of weird. There, there are some great white noise apps that you can download. I've considered that. Um, this is just easier because, like, when in the summertime, my little air conditioning unit makes a very similar noise to what the bathroom vent will. So it's just it's easy. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's my home life. Fascinating. I should have just let people think you lived in the ghetto. Yeah, it was. I mean. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't. I like my apartment a lot, and that's why I've been here. This is my fourth year, um, but I, I would never want to be a single parent in this apartment. Never, never. No, no. I mean, the, yeah, you, you wouldn't even want to live with somebody in that apartment. No, like, oh my god, no. Yeah. yeah so, well, I, to be honest, though, I've lived with someone in a smaller space than this. Good so, lord, really? Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. So we'll save that for another another podcast. <laughs> um. Yeah. Here's here's something Rob um, will never be able to say. We have always lived in the castle. Um, that's uh, that's our next book review. Rob, yeah. we can do. We have always lived in the studio. We have always lived in the booked studio. Yeah. So um, that's our next book review. For anybody who thinks that might sound familiar, apparently that was written by a very little known author named Shirley Jackson that we have just stumbled across just now. On this podcast, so we're going to read one of her uh, yeah. one of her books. We may break her wide open. We might be the yeah. one that um, gets her nationally known or whatever. Yeah, Paul Tremblay is rolling over in his grave right now. Oh, that poor guy. <laughs> He's not even dead. He's not even dead. Did you see? Speaking of Paul, <laughs> um, there is a show um, that airs in the United States called The Chase which is a weird trivia show because it's people doing trivia, but they're doing it against a guy called the beast who, um, (laughs) he is the, he's the chaser in the chase. So essentially the breakdown is something like this. And I've only seen this show like once or twice, but like, um, if Rob was a contestant, we would ask Rob, um, as many questions, trivia questions as he could answer in, 15 in 10 minutes or whatever five minutes so if you get to 17 then the beast gets the same amount of time to answer the trivia questions more yeah but if he misses if he a different one if he misses one then you get a chance to answer it and then you move forward like two spaces or whatever so essentially it's a catch-up game of quizzing Paul Tremblay's A Head Full of Ghosts was an answer on what I believe was the the, the UK version of the game show, mm-hmm. um, which f- features the same character, the the guy who plays the Beast or whatever his name is. Um, so that's pretty cool. I mean, that's that's a straight up. That's like, I mean, all right, it's not Jeopardy, but you know what I mean. Like, you want to talk about being legitimized by pop culture that you are a trivia answer in a game show? Pretty goddamn cool. 
Yeah, and it, and the question was formed in a way where like it was not an easy. They basically said the title, and they were looking for the answer was his name. So you had to know his name. Like if you gave the name and, and an idea about the book, and we're looking for the name of the book, that would be easier than who wrote the book, I think. So, um, yeah, but the guy got it wrong though, right? The the the, the beast non-beast? got it wrong. Yes, the beast no. got it wrong. The beast got it wrong, and oh. this is really validation because if if nobody knew the answer, right, then it's like well, then well whatever, this is right. book, nobody knows, right? But no, the contestant was able to answer when the beast missed it. He said John Grit John Grisham, right? I mean that's <laughs> and, a safe uh, bet. Yeah, I mean the guy who puts out a book like every four months. Yeah, yeah. maybe that could be him. Um, but yeah, no, the contestant actually got Paul's name right. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, good for Paul, man. I feel like every time, like every three episodes, we have some exciting news about Paul Tremblay. Yeah, and the reason I mentioned that for anybody who doesn't know, um, Paul Tremblay is, um, I believe, still. Um, he is a some type of board member for the Shirley Jackson Awards. They, oh, so that he's rolling over in his grave. It wasn't me just randomly saying he's rolling over in his grave or something. He actually belongs to. He's on the board of something, the Shirley Jackson Awards. That's so, crazy that there's a Shirley Jackson Awards, and we just discovered an author named Shirley Jackson. What I mean, are, yeah. what are the odds? Maybe she could win one of these awards. <laughs> Did you ever read the lottery? <laughs> no. Okay, so that's her best known thing is a short story called The Lottery. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to track down some way for us to read that too for uh, for next Ooh. week. It's a short story, and this is a short book, so I think we can do both. Cool. That's what's coming up, a throwback episode all the way back to the early 1960s. Um, will this be the oldest book we've read then? It's from the 60s? No. Sirens of Titan was the early 50s, I think. Ah, gotcha. Okay, so not quite the oldest. Mm. Wait until we get into the 1800s. Oh, That's going to yeah. be a blast. Yeah. So, And they didn't write short books back then, Rob. I know you love short books, but the <laughs> 1800s was the... Uh, the era of the epic, I think. So everybody had a lot of shit to say back then. Well, they didn't they, have a lot else to do. So yeah, no kidding. All right, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Livius Nedden, and I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.